Merry Christmas. I do uh, enjoy this time of year. It's, it was 16 this morning in Dubai. That is freezing. I was, uh, I'm sure it's snowing somewhere on the mountains in wreck. But um, I don't know about you, but when you think about Christmas, there's lots that we think about. There's food, uh, there is presents. For me, it's Christmas movies. Who enjoys Christmas movies? Danae, I know you do. Do you want to come and name a few? Just shout one or two out. Elf. Elf definitely is up there with the best Christmas movies. Uh, we watched the, the, the Christmas at the Cranks. I give it a four. It wasn't great. Home Alone. Okay. That's what I was looking for. Okay, so Home Alone. Can we all agree that Home Alone 1 and 2 were great with Macaulay Culkin, Culkin, whatever his name is. He became weird. He's a very strange guy now. Okay, but in Home Alone, he was, he was cute and cool. Um, and then... But then they made Home Alone 3. Who watched that? It's very average. Because they brought another guy in and he just wasn't as cool as, as uh, am I right? It was 3 or was it another name? Anyway, Home Alone 3. And for me, if you look at most story or movie plots, they fall within seven categories. Anyone who's been involved in filming, I had a friend who was a, a filmmaker and he learned this at, uh, at film school, if that's where they go. And, uh, and he learned that there's seven plots that any story falls within. And, um, and for me, we're going to look at, obviously, the Christmas story, but there's a, there's a few. So they've got some basic plots and overviews. The one is overcoming the monster, overcoming the demon, stranger things, overcoming the darkness. In Christianity, Jesus overcame Satan. The rags to riches story, I love that. I can't think of any movies now, but there's, I love, I love it when people start from the bottom. What's that little mouse that, that kind of went to New York, that cartoon? What is it? No, before that, cartoon. You guys, 90s kids, you know what I'm talking about. Those who grew up in the 90s, I forgot. Fifle, Fifle, yeah, that's it. <laughs> Rags to riches story. You've got the quest, which is like uh, Lord of the Rings, um, and uh, you, you, they're going on a journey to somewhere, and I think that would link in the voyage and the return. That's another category. You've obviously got comedy, and uh, that's, that is by far my most favorite category. As a pastor, we're dealing with a lot of heartache and pain and suffering, and I like to, when I put the TV on, I like to switch off, and, uh, and then it brings me on to our next one. Tragedy is another one. I do not like movies that end with a negative ending. What? What is the point? Seriously. If someone doesn't win or the guy doesn't get the girl or whatever it is, it is absolutely the most pointless story or movie you've ever. You've wasted two hours of your life. Uh, Pursuit of Happiness was uh, not a great movie. Stahl and I were not in a good space. We were like, I don't know, we, like, we just had a, an interesting meeting with someone and they, it was, I won't go into details, but we were like, let's go watch a movie. So we, we went to watch Pursuit of Happiness. We came out depressed. It was the pursuit of sadness. I think the end of that movie, spoiler alert, doesn't end well. Am I right? I can't. It was so long ago. It's removed it from my mind. There's obviously rebirth, which is the greatest story. Jesus' resurrection from the dead, defeating the enemy. So if you look at any good story, you're going to have that fit into one of those seven categories. And within that, you're going to have a multi-layered story. And now uh, there's, there's some stories like 
Some of you may know this. I haven't watched it, but I've heard about it. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels. Uh, and you've got all these different stories. Uh, Love, actually, I think is one of them. I also haven't seen it, but I've just read online. These are different stories that have about seven or eight different stories, and it all converges to one point, whether it's New Year's or someone's wedding or something happening. You have all these different stories happening, and then it happens, and there's a focal point right at the end. And that is what the Christmas story is. You're going to have all these different characters. Some of the kids were dressed as, as them tonight. You had the angels, the shepherds. Uh, you had the sheep. You had, uh, the, who else? Joseph, Mary, Zechariah. Um, and it's, it's in Luke 1 and 2, Mark 1, Matthew 1 and 2. And it just starts to speak about all these different characters that is culminating the wise men to this point of Jesus Christ. And that is what Christmas for me is about. Jesus Christ. He came, he, he split history in two, he changed the world, he changed how we do government, he changed uh, the, the, the modern world, it's, it's through Jesus absolutely everything changed. He brought the kingdom of God, he brought salvation to many, to anyone who would accept him, they, they are saved, they are set free, and that is what the, the story of Christmas is about. Now if you're looking at these different stories uh, that, that obviously are going to converge into one story, which is Jesus Christ, the point of history. I remember early on in, in being a follower of Jesus, we learned in, in, in church, history is his story, okay? It'll be a great bumper sticker, but it's true. Everything, if you read the Bible from, from, uh, from cover to cover, there's God shifted kingdoms, he shifted power, and it, so, he, so ultimately Jesus can be glorified as king of all kings. And, we, and one day the Bible says that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. And it's, it's already starting to happen so the first thing we learn from Christmas, number one, if you are taking notes, is nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Luke 1 verse 35 says, and obviously the angel comes to Mary and it says, the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And in the sixth month uh, with her, uh, who was called barren. So she was a woman who had no kids. And she was, uh, the Bible says she was well advanced in years. And she, she was now six months pregnant with John the Baptist, who is obviously going to pave the way for Jesus to come. And then the angel says this, for nothing, say nothing, will be impossible with God. And I've realized we can either get into this Christmas story and it's nice and fuzzy and, it's, and, we, and we watch a, a nativity play or we, we kind of focus on the gifts. But the reality is God wanted to show us that the, the, that the impossible is now made possible through Jesus Christ. We could not be saved. There's nothing that I could do to earn my salvation. The Bible says that our, that our, uh, that our works before him, our, our good works before him are like filthy rags. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we are, we're all fall short of the glory of, go, of God. And we are justified freely by his grace. Abraham did nothing but believe in God and he was made clean, made whole. When I gave my life to Jesus, it was not through my efforts. 
It wasn't me through to going to church every week and, and being good and giving a little bit more extra in the offering basket. Or it was purely through justification of faith. I believed that Jesus is alive. I still had my doubts. And if I'm honest, there's doubts that I have, have had over my Christian life, not doubting who God is. But just, you, you, there's a, there are big questions that the Bible sometimes can be a little bit gray on. But I know I put my faith in Jesus Christ and he saved me. And I was utterly changed. I remember Joyce Mayer talking and she says, some people uh, came to her and said, how do you know Jesus is real? And she says, he's real because he's changed me. And they're like, isn't that, isn't that positive thinking? You tell me when positive thinking has actually worked. What happens at salvation is that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the Bible says that he takes a heart of stone and he makes it into a heart of flesh. And the picture that I get is that the, the hands of heaven go onto Bruce who had a cold heart and I knew him just before he was saved and I uh, came back to God. And God just came and put his warm hands on his heart and began to breathe life again. And that's what Christianity is about. It's not at all about us. It's about Jesus Christ who came and died for us and brought life to us. And um, Isaiah 9 says that there was a great darkness over the earth, but a great light has come. And we are gonna proclaim this week after week in church. Basically, we have Christmas every Friday, that Jesus came and he defeated the enemy. Nothing is impossible. Where are there impossibilities in your life? You're looking at the future. It could be finances, family, whatever it is. Jesus makes all things possible. And he saves us. Mary's response was incredible. She had this moment where she just, she just, she says, let, I'm gonna get it wrong. Let me get it right here. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And I've been thinking about faith for a while. What, what is faith? How, does, how do we get more faith? Is it something, is it like a substance? What, and I, just, I was just walking around this week and I felt God just dropped that scripture. It's faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. All Mary did was took this word that the angel Gabriel came and spoke to her. She planted it in her heart. And you'll see throughout, throughout the first few chapters of Luke, she says, and she hid these things in her heart. She believed and so conceived. I, I, and for me, obviously God is completely sovereign and he, and he is in control. And they almost, they, they had no choice in some ways. But Mary, Mary chose to believe and, and have this word become a seed in her heart. And obviously she, she fell pregnant with Jesus Christ, the son of God. God man who came and saved us from our sins. Zechariah, which was um, John's father, had the complete opposite response. So they're well advanced in years. They've probably given up any hope of children. It's just, it is what it is for them. And an angel comes and speaks to him and says, you're gonna, your wife is gonna fall pregnant and you're gonna give birth to John the Baptist and he's gonna make a way for Jesus. He's gonna be one like, uh, sorry, like Elijah, Isaiah caught as one in the desert that is making straight the paths for the Lord. And his response to the angel was, was this. He says this, how can I be sure of this? Imagine that. Imagine an angel comes and stands before you. I, I mean, I, I said this in the first meeting. I've definitely at times experienced what I what I'd sense to be angels around me. Like, and you just know something's there. The Bible says that He sends them as messengers. We know that the angels protect us, etc. The Bible clearly says that in Psalm ninety-one. But imagine the angel Gabriel coming and standing before you, giving you a message, and his first response is that. And what does what does the angel do? He shuts his mouth. 
It says, from this moment, you won't be able to talk. Because what is happening around Jesus coming and uh, John the Baptist preparing the way and that John was born out of faith, not out of natural means, you cannot get in the way with you speaking negative faith over this thing. So he just shut his mouth until the point where he actually wrote the name John and then his mouth was opened. And it says that all the towns surrounding were in awe of what God did. Amazing. So we always have a choice. Do we believe or do we carry doubt? The second thing we learn at Christmas is that God fulfills his promises. I'm not the most, most patient person on this planet. I've got to be honest with you. I've, uh, Stalin knows that it's one of those, this, the gifts of the Spirit that I'm definitely, hopefully Jesus is working in me to be more patient. And he'll probably put a lot of things in my way that requires patience so I can learn patience. Am I right? doesn't like, God, give me more patience. It goes, cool, well, I'm just going to make you wait. And, uh, and so often that can be like it is with God. Like we, we, there's, there's this promise that he's spoken over you. There's this promise of finances, this promise of a future. And you're like, God, when is it coming? You said it. Someone gave you a prophetic word, but you said, Lord, and you're waiting and you're waiting. And after, I can tell you this, that if you read throughout scripture, God is faithful to his promises. There's not once in scripture that God promises something and it doesn't happen. Every single time, even when it's looking impossible, God breaks in. And that's for me what Christmas is all about. Israel waited 400 years. There was a time of silence where the prophets were speaking. And then there was 400 years, sorry, there was the prophets were speaking, then there was 400 years of silence where there was not a peep. There was not a prophet in Israel. There were the faithful few who carried on in God's word. They were under the tyranny of the Romans. Uh, they, 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 things were not looking great. Then all of a sudden, God breaks in. And people come from the east to meet the king. The angels start singing. They, they speak to the shepherds. God begins to break in. Heaven becomes close to earth. And it has, nothing's changed. Jesus came. He didn't come then leave, but he came and he brought heaven to earth so we can have access to him and to the Father. There was a man named Simeon in Luke 2 verse 25. And uh, the, the name for Simeon, the meaning of Simeon is the one who hears. So obviously he's been hearing from God. He says, it says in 2 verse 25, which may be behind me, that's great. Uh, he, was a, he was a man who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die, but he would see the Lord's Messiah. Imagine this guy, because you'll see later on that he was just basically waiting to die. Like he was pretty, a pretty old dude, and God had spoken to him about what is coming, that God is going to fulfill his promise. Verse 27, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms, praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may, not, you may not dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. And amazing. I think the Israel, Israelite people may have been looking for this triumphant king, but the person who's truly hearing from God saw that salvation was coming in the form of a child knowing that God had to be 100% God, 100% man, so he can come and die on the cross for our sins. He can carry the weight of our sins upon himself. He was utterly sinless. And it's amazing on salvation, and I'm gonna give a call at the end for anyone who wants to give their lives to Jesus, but it's as simple as believing in him, and then we get credited his righteousness. So we, I'm a, by my own way, being born to my mom and my dad here, I was born a sinner, although they would probably tell you I was an angel, 
Um, far from it. I got many hidings. I got a, three cha- a few chairs thrown at me, but that's all part of it, and it wasn't abuse. It was cool back in the 90s. Like, it didn't matter. You know what I mean? You could throw anything at your kids, and it, like, no one got into trouble. And, um, but I was a sinful little guy. I remember at eight years old, I would go to, um, I would go to buy uh, stickers. Who remembers Wildcats? I think I've told the story before. Wildcats, yes, come on. So Wildcats, and then you'd have sticker books. This is before Sega. This is before Nintendo. This is before all of that stuff. So just showing a little bit my age. And we'd buy sticker books, and we'd stick stickers into books. That was, that was our entertainment. Anyway, so I stole money from my mom off the counter. I remember it was about 60 rand. Uh, and I don't know how she didn't notice, but anyway... Um, Stole it, and then I was like, almost felt like Robin Hood. I was stealing from the rich to give to the poor. So I would buy all my friends these stickers, and um, they, would, they would come in, and then we'd all just put our stickers in and thought we were cool. I had such a sensitive conscience as a kid that I went to, and I remember clearly telling my mom. She was a little bit angry, but I think she was probably relieved that I did repent of my sins. But anyway, the point is, I was born a sinner. There was a sinful desires in me. There's, there's like, I have this propensity towards sin, but all we have to do is believe in Jesus, and then I get credited with the righteousness of God. That is unfair. That is the gospel. That is, that is the point of Christmas, that we get credited with the righteousness of heaven. That I stand before my Savior clean, no matter what I've done. And I want to urge you this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not doing it so we can have people's hands up and we could be, oh, celebrate. I want to tell you that it's life and death. That you need Jesus. You need his forgiveness. And he, he is freely giving it to you. Freely extending it to you. God fulfills his promises. The third thing we learn is that nations of the world are still drawn to Jesus. The, the story of the three wise men is incredible. You have these men who come from the east uh, Okay, let me tell you that there weren't actually three. The Bible doesn't talk about three. Who thinks there's three? Okay, I've just told you the answer, so now you're acting clever. But um, so basically, it just says there was wise men, and they bought three gifts. We don't know how many wise men there were. And uh, these guys bought gifts. They bought gold. Jordy, come up. This is pure gold. I bought it for Stala. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know where you got it. I just found it on a chain hook. This is frankincense, the white one is frankincense, and then this is myrrh. Thank you, Geordie. And these were the three gifts that these, that these kings brought from the east. And, and, it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't brought to Jesus so Jesus can be rich, so they've got money for Jesus' college, and so he can have a good bar mitzvah and all of that stuff. They bought it because it was representing three different things of who he is. The first thing. Where are we? Gold. It represents his kingship. That you have the king who was born in a stable. And uh, the amazing thing is that in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was the, was the town where the priestly uh, shepherds used to raise the sheep. And they would raise these sheep to, um, to be the sacrificial lamb for the people of Israel. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And, uh, and if you read, like he was, he, was, he was wrapped in swaddling cloths. So, I would look at that and like, okay, I don't know what that means. You just pass over. But what that actually meant is that the, 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 the actual lambs used to be wrapped in this cloth. And they were kept aside to be the sacrificial lamb for Israel. So even at Jesus' birth, 
there was a foretaste of what he's actually going to walk into, that he is going to pay for the sins of you and I, even at his birth. So he had gold preparing him as king. He had frankincense, which was, always represents the priestly duty. There would be a burning of incense at the altar. And it would, it would show that Jesus would be the high priest that would intercede for you and I. For when we sin, Jesus intercedes before the Father. His, him dying on the cross became the intercession for us so we can actually get to the Father. He became the priest, the great high priest. And myrrh. Myrrh has many uses. Uh, if you look at the different, they could have said it was for Mary to, to get over the pain of childbirth. But actually it was used for embalming. And it was used for those who were going to die. And isn't that incredible? I mean, what a, a gift you bring for a baby. I mean, that's great. But it was just all these foreshadows, these, these pictures of who Jesus was going to ultimately do and be. So he's going to be king, number one. He's going to be the priest, and he came to die for us. It's an incredible picture. Isaiah 60, verse 3, it says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. That was prophesied 700 years before Jesus came. And that's exactly what happened. Nations, the people from the east, they saw a star in the sky and they just thought, we're going to chase after this. God will even use stars to get you to Jesus. It happened with Abraham. It happened with these guys. Four, what does Christmas do? It is that it teaches us to listen. Joseph had three dreams. He had a dream uh, that he was, he was going to quietly, he said in his heart that he quietly resol- he resolved that he was going to quietly divorce um, uh, Mary because she was pregnant and obviously he was sitting with unbelief in his heart like thinking just, I don't know if she's saying it's this, this she's saying it's the Holy Spirit who made her pregnant I mean imagine that story like you know, whatever you know like and uh, anyway so he, he comes he gets to this point and he's going to quietly divorce he was a good man he didn't want to shame her and he has a dream and an angel speaks to him and said that she's carrying the son of God his name shall be Jesus he has another dream that tells him to get out of that town and go to Egypt he has another dream that tells him to come back and for me, the, the, the thing about Christmas is that God is speaking. In, um, in Hebrews, it says that, uh, that in, in, the, in the past, God spoke through his prophets and through different men. But in these last days, he has spoken through his son. Jesus' absolute revelation to mankind of who he is, is in Jesus Christ. Fourth thing is we learn about to listen. And then finally, let's get the point here. What's our fifth point? Can we put it up? Our world is broken and only Jesus can fix it. There was nothing within this world that could fix the world. No amount of good works, no amount of religion, no amount of uh, doing good things to somehow earn and attain favor with God will ever be good enough. Jesus came. He came as the perfect sacrificial lamb. He came from above. He, wasn't, he, didn't, he was not tainted with the blood of man. He, he, was, he carried the Holy Spirit. He was in his mother's womb. She just became a carrier of, of Jesus Christ. 100% man, 100% God. And there's an amazing thing that if you look at the book of Genesis, that Christmas started in Genesis. The announcements of Christmas started in Genesis. Satan went into a snake. The snake used to have legs. You can go read that up. There's like fossil fossils of uh, snakes that used to have legs that for me is just the grossest thought of a snake just standing up and like uh, talking to you but anyway that's another thing possessed deceives Eve Eve gives in 
Adam is deceived as well. They, they eat of the, the, the tree of, uh, of, of life, of good or evil, and, and they get thrown out of the garden. They sin. There's this barrier that's created. And God shouts, I believe he shouted it to Satan, and he says this in Genesis 3.15 out of the voice message, voice Bible. It says, I will make you and your brood enemies of the woman and all her children. Means that we're going to be an enemy with, with Satan. The woman's child will stomp your head and you will strike his heel. God was prophesying about the Son of God. And it says that God made provision. It says in Revelations that it happened before, before time even began. God made provision through Jesus Christ. Which is just mind-blowing. That he's made a way through his Son. Can we all stand to our feet? The band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song together. But I just want to pray before we get into the song. So if you wouldn't mind buying your heads. Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you, that you change us completely and utterly, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that, that uh, our faith um, is in you, Lord God. That I, if I'm thinking back years of my life, there was nothing that I could do to earn righteousness. You became righteousness for me. Died on the cross for me. Rose again, defeated death. Father, we just, we thank you. Let's just take a moment just to, just to reflect on this time of year, just what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. why everyone's eyes are closed I want to give an opportunity if you have never given your life to Jesus or maybe you've run from him and you're coming back you know that you've maybe been trying to be a good person maybe you're trying to see stuff change in your life and you're just not getting there but you want to give your life to him today and just say God I want to replace my dirt for your cleanliness my mess for your righteousness my sin for your righteousness if that is you just do you want to raise your hand quickly I'd love to pray with you I'm just going to give a few seconds if you've never done it and you, you sense that you need to or you can come chat to me afterwards we had a I gave an altar call a couple of weeks ago and two or three people came after the meeting and said I gave my life to Jesus so, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you're here with us. We honor you, Jesus. Let's sing this song together.